This is the Coach's Wife Life Podcast. I'm Kristen Ergel, your host, a former TV sports reporter and fellow college football coach's wife. I'll go one-on-one with the strong women who are the backbone of college athletics and athletics of all levels. And now, Coach's Wife Life. This podcast is brought to you by Brewer of Hope. Brewer of Hope is a nonprofit that supports medically fragile children. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can use Venmo at Brewer-Hope or online at BrewerofHope.org. I'm so thrilled to have Lisa Foster today. Thank you so much for being a part of us. Well, thank you so much, Kristen, for having me today. I I know I'm probably not um, one of your typical um, guests on your podcast, but I'm just so honored to be here to talk about um, my life as a coach's wife. Well, I wanted to share your story. Um, This is going to be a very unique interview, one very memorable. Lisa, you're on staff at the American Cancer Society. You're the top 50 women making a difference in the state of Oklahoma, according to the journal record, and a longtime coach's wife in the state of Oklahoma. I'm going to touch on some of those things later, but I think the depth and the wisdom that you share comes from a perspective that most of us don't have. And as you share with me earlier, Your husband, Coach Barry Foster, passed away January 16th of this year, and I admire you greatly for coming on my podcast just a couple months after this to share your story. Well, you know, it's it's really important to our family to keep Barry's memory and his legacy alive, and he was just such a vital part of the Oklahoma Coaches Association, and he coached for 30 years, and um, you know, we were married um, 35 uh, years this past October, and so I just really appreciate you giving uh, me this platform to talk about him and, you know, kind of um, what our family has experienced the last few months. When I say Coach Barry Foster, what makes you most proud? Well, you know, there's um, there's lots of football memories, right, over uh, a course of, you know, three decades of football um, a state championship, I and mean, he's a Hall of Fame inductee, but really what makes me the most proud is the man that he was off of the field. Um, you know, for us, um, I think if I could just say one word that describes him, that is protector. And so he was a great protector of our entire family. And you know, we, we often like to keep him about tracking us. So <laughs> we always wanted to know where everyone in the family was on a day-to-day basis. Are you at home? Are you at work? Are, are the son-in-laws on the road? Um, are the grandkids at a ball game? You know, um, of course, if they were at ball games, he was there too. Um, but he was tracked us everywhere we went. And, mm-hmm. you know, there could be a storm brewing a hundred miles away. And he would start texting everybody, you know, he just wanted to know, you know, where all his kids and grandkids were. Um, and we gave him a hard time about that. But we know that like that was his way of showing how much he loved us and cared for us and wanted to protect us. And, you know, that extended over to his players and his students. And, you know, he, he was mostly an assistant coach for the majority of his career, um, and so lots of times when the head coach was, you know, getting on a player or correcting them, it, it was always Barry that went behind, you know, patting that player on the back, giving him some encouragement. Um, and then also Barry lost his dad um, when we were expecting our first daughter um, over 30 years ago. And so he just had a special heart for players and students um, who had also lost a parent. And so 
it was very common for him to you know, continually check on those players or students, pick them up from school, take them home from ball games. Just again, just that very protective nature. I really think that's just one thing I'm so proud of him is that, that he really truly genuinely cared about people. Now, where did you grow up and did you ever expect the life of a coach's wife? <laughs> no, I did not. Um, I grew up in a small town, Oklahoma, and he grew up about 30 miles away. Um, but he came to my hometown as a coach and teacher, and that's where we met. And, um, you know, shortly afterwards, we started dating and um, got married in the middle of football season, um, mm-hmm. October 19th, 1985. And so, um, yeah, I did not anticipate the life of a coach's wife, but wow, what an incredible life it has been. Absolutely. I'll talk about a lot of those highs and fun things. Um, you know, on the podcast, um, again, this one's very unique and I'm, I'm so grateful that you would just share with us. It's just, there's nothing like a perspective, just completely different from yours that can just open our eyes um, to this incredibly blessed life we live. But I always ask this question and it's going to be pretty hard, but what do you think has been the toughest adversity you have faced and what did you rely on to get through those moments? Well, without a doubt, um, losing Barry is, you know, the toughest adversity that I've ever faced in my lifetime. Um, You know, like I said, we were married 35 years and, uh, you know, just had an incredible life. We have four adult children, um, three son-in-laws, um, eight grandchildren. And so we definitely have led a blessed life and we've lived close to each other. Um, we're very close. Um, you know, as you can imagine, in the last couple of months, we've had a lot of togetherness um, under the same roof. And um, it's just so fortunate that, you know, our three daughters and son and our extended family just truly love each other. And, and that's who we've leaned on, you know, um, since Barry's passing, we started feeling um, COVID symptoms on um, New Year's Eve and passed away January 16th. So those wow. were the fastest yet slowest 16 days, um, you know, of our lives. It's the longest time we had ever been apart. Um, and so really what we've leaned on, you know, through his hospitalization and um, and since his passing is, you know, faith, family, and friends. Um, you know, we have a strong faith in God, um, very faithful Christian, a prayer warrior for so many people. And so it truly is our faith in God that has gotten us through because we have the promise of heaven and being together again. Um, our family and friends, um, you know, have really blanketed us with love and support. And they've really shown us that, um, you know, really what it means to minister and support someone who's going through, um, you know, grief and loss. And we just, we couldn't ask for a better support system um, in those who are closest to us. And, and many of those include former players and students who reached out for, um, for comfort and to share stories. Um, he taught driver's ed. And so there are a lot of driver's ed stories that we have not <laughs> heard before. Um, and so it's those football players, those athletes, those students um, who have really, you know, encircled us with love. Wow. You have such a perspective. I mean, such a grace walking through this. I know originally you probably dealt with a lot of shock. I mean, that's fast 
um, and completely blindsided by it. Um, I guess it's changed you a little bit as you work through some of this. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, we're going to be changed forever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we, even though we had been married 35 years, like it's never long enough. Um, if, if you love your spouse, it is never long enough on earth, you know, to be together. And so, yes, we are forever changed because really, um, you know, he was so involved um, with everything. So he was, you know, we spent years, of course, you know, going to games and being at the field house and just surrounding him and embracing his career. And, you know, it became who we were. We are are a coaching family Um, and coaches kids, you know, they have such a special bond and um, our children spent a lot of time at the field house. And so just we're changed forever because of, um, of our loss and of his passing. Um, And so because he was so involved, because he was really the, he was the spiritual leader. He was the epicenter of our family. And I mean, the, our daughter's son, our son-in-law's grandchildren, we're all feeling just that deep grief, um, you know, over losing someone so special to us that really, um, like I said, our lives had revolved around him and his career, but then he also reciprocated that by being at every ball game for our children and our grandchildren just really had a very special, close and unique family bond. And so, um, you know, but days like today, talking about him is such a comfort because again, I know it keeps his life and his legacy going and, um, you know, and our goal is to honor God in all things that we do and to remember Barry. And, you know, we, we told him um, on his final day, that we would take him with us mm. everywhere we go, you know, whether it's ball games for the kids or um, our youngest is not married. So wedding someday oh. and birth of more grandchildren, like we will just take him in our hearts with us everywhere we go. And that's how we will continue to honor him and, and keep his legacy alive. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um. You know, there's probably others and different staffs that ex- have experienced loss in some capacity. And you've described a community of people that you have poured into that are pouring back into your family. Um, what would be some ways that you would recommend if there's someone on your staff going through complete heartache or grief or just um, a sick loved one? What are some things that really have been helpful over the last couple of months? You know, um, people have poured in to our lives, you know, so richly (laughs) over the last couple of months. And it's everything from sending handwritten notes and cards. Um, A friend sent me a journal um, so I could write down all the special memories um, that we had together as a couple and as a family, Um, sent devotion books the food we had 16 people in our immediate family and friends and family brought food to feed all 16 of us for weeks (laughs) and so we are so grateful for that but there's it's taught us um, like I said that there are so many ways that you can support and minister to others um, but really just people reaching out and and sometimes they've said we have no words and that's okay it's okay to not know what to say um, but it's just the thought that people have 
um, have us on their minds. They are continuing to keep us in their prayers. And it's when people continue to reach out and say, I haven't forgotten. Because sometimes I know after someone, you know, you lose someone and it just feels like life goes on for everybody else Mm. except you. And I know that's not an uncommon feeling, right? Like Mm. people get busy and go on and, and, and we still feel like our world is in slow motion. And so for months, people have continued to just reach out to us and in prayer and messages. And that is so meaningful to us. Wow. You've been a coach's wife for 35 years. And these are, I, I want you to really share. I know it sounds like you're bragging, but I need to know what's one thing as you look back that you are glad that you made a priority in your life. Oh, you know, one thing that we always made a priority um, was having dinner at the dinner table. <laughs> you know, it would be so easy to just grab something, sit on the couch in front of the TV. Um, trust me, that no, we had lots of dinners at ball games, right? We ate concessions <laughs> and food like it was the best thing ever. <laughs> but on those nights that we weren't at games, we sat down at the dining table and had dinner together. Um, and everyone went around the table and told about their day and our older girls, you know, they thought they could get away with, uh, my day was fine, <laughs> but we broke deeper, right? Like we were like, no, 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 that does not count. <laughs> we want to hear what you did at school today and, you know, and things that went on at school and our youngest daughter, when she would start from the time she got out of the car, like got out of the car, walked onto the playground waved at Lauren, you know, she would give us every detail and it, no matter how long it took her, we <laughs> sat and listened, you know, to every detail about her day. Um, but that really set us up for what has been a lifetime of dinners. Um, when our middle daughter um, went off to college and that was 2007, um, she said, mom, can we have dinner together before I go back to college on Sunday night? And so I said, sure. So you know, um, after evening church service, we gathered everybody together and and had a meal. And that was really the beginning of a new tradition. We have had Sunday night um, dinners together almost every weekend up until the pandemic started um, since 2007. That's a lot of Sunday night meals. (laughs) And we still sit around the dining table. Um, Our son-in-law's built us a table a few years ago that will seat all of the adults and the kids have a kid's table and or sit at the snack bar and um and it's just the greatest time of you know food and fellowship and sometimes they stay till midnight uh, during the summer when the kids don't have to go to school and um, we just really have continued to make that dinner time around the table just something so special where everybody can talk and share what's been going on during their week and we have a a sign in our kitchen that says um you call it chaos we call it family mm. and very all he loved to tell people about that sign and because he would say it is chaos <laughs> everybody is here but we love it so mm. that's probably one of the best things that we started when the kids were young and now that they have children it's something that we continue and, and certainly look forward to every week and i love that your son-in-laws respect that tradition um, and that they are a part of it and they built something to be a part of it, a table to continue that and know what it means to your family and how it pours into your daughters. I mean, 
Incredible. I love that. You've been a successful coach's wife. He's had a lot of success on the field. Obviously you talked about it. Um, Hall of Fame uh, inductee. What are some of the things that you think you have done that has contributed to the success that he has had over the course of his career? What contributed to his success from my part is that I knew my role and that role was to be his constant supporter. You know, he, he had plenty of advisors, right, in his circle um, from assistants, um, administrators, board members, fans, and parents who all wanted to, you know, lend their advice or the how-tos. And so I just, I knew early on um, that my role um, was not to um, advise or insert my opinions. It was to just support him in the decisions that he made. Um, like I shared, we got married in the middle of football season. <laughs> and so I just, you know, I was, I was young, I was 18 years old and three days after our wedding, he had a junior high game. You know? And so I, that's the first time someone referred to me as, you know, um, Mrs. Coach Foster, basically. And so <laughs> I just, learned, I learned really quick, like my role was to support him. Um, and really, we kind of carried that throughout our marriage. He, I didn't ever try to tell him how to do his job, and he didn't tell me how to do mine, you know, but we were supporters for each other. Um, and I just feel like, you know, I, that was my role, was to support him and um, encourage him and lift him up and to just be silent, honestly. <laughs> Sometimes mm-hmm. after losses, like, you just don't have to say anything, right? Uh, you know how that is. Like sometimes saying nothing is the best thing of all. Just that silence is, it's okay. <laughs> well, that's really good wisdom. Uh, sometimes we all try to fix it. You just want to say the thing that can pull him out of the hole um, that he's in, just a discouragement, or maybe it's after he didn't get a job that he was looking to get, um, you know, a promotion that he thought he'd be promised and then it didn't happen. I'm sure you've had things like that. Is it sometimes that silence of I'm here or do you have some also some things you say in those moments to keep him encouraged? I always knew that, you know, when I met him on the field after games, I, there was only two phrases I ever needed to utter. And it was either congratulations or I'm sorry. You know, so if you win, it's congratulations, way to go. If the loss was just, I'm sorry. And that was the end of it. And he never brought it home. He you know, I, I feel like he probably decompressed a lot at the field house. But by the time he came home, he was already talking about next week. And, you know, the kids were sitting in his lap or we were just eating a late dinner or whatever it might be. But, um, but yeah, just, just sometimes those moments of silence are, are, they really are golden. You go from being a coach's wife at 18 to being one of the top women in, in the state of Oklahoma. You're on staff at the American Cancer Society. I need to be filled in on a lot of years of success. So... Um, obviously you're well known for the work that you've done. You're on the um, staff there and and also involved with coaches versus cancer. What do you think has been key in your success? How did all this get started? Well, as far as my career with the American Cancer Society, I started out as a volunteer. Um, I had lost my grandfather to cancer in 1980 when I was just a teenager. And so fast forward, um, about almost two decades, I was asked to um, volunteer for the American Cancer Society and truly fell in love with the organization, with the mission, um, and especially our Coaches Versus Cancer program. I mean, what better way to fight cancer than by marrying the two things that I love most, 
fighting cancer with coaches. And so, um, you know, I've been at the American Cancer Society for over 22 years. And I would say the same for Barry, that he was such a big part of my success. And especially um, in the coaches versus cancer realm, um, I couldn't tell you how many coaches he introduced me to. He would call, text email coaches asking them to meet with me or could we use their field for a Relay for Life event and so you know he was just he was proud of the work that I did and really loved um, the coaches versus cancer piece because it was something that we could do together Um, you know we spent all um, we spent all summers going to coaches clinic right I'm sure some places call it coaches school or conference Um, in Oklahoma it's coaches clinic and so um, we would go to Coach's Clinic with him every year, and that was also our family vacation, right? Mm-hmm. So um, and the kids didn't know any different, right? They thought going to Tulsa, Oklahoma, <laughs> was the greatest vacation of all for Coach's Clinic. So just being there with him and walking the halls with him, you couldn't go 10 feet without him stopping and talking to another coach, but he always made a point to introduce me. One funny story I will share with you is, um, we always gave, Coaches versus Cancer would give a replica of the gold ball um, that the coaches get when they win a state championship. And so we would, we would have a replica of that made for the school who raised the most funds for Coaches versus Cancer during their season. And so we would give the gold ball to the top school, but then we would have plaques for, you know, the top five schools or so um, from that year. And one of those years, um, the school that he was coaching at was in the top five. So when I announced that school, he came forward to accept the plaque. And whenever he he picked the plaque from me, he gave me a little kiss. (laughs) And, you know, the coaches in the room that knew us, um, we're, oh, that's so sweet, you know, but of course there's a new coach in the back that turns to his head coach and says, man, that coach is brave. He just kissed that lady from the American Cancer Society. <laughs> and so that coach had to say, um, that's his wife. <laughs> so we got a big laugh out of that, of this young, brand new coach thinking, wow, that's that coach is brave and so oh my goodness um, we'd love to tell that story later <laughs> that's hysterical oh my goodness now yeah I'm sure you've had to rely on some extra help um with raising kids as far as child care and family you had a demanding career how did you make all that work what are some ways that if you've moved to a new city how do you get connected honestly in this aspect we're so fortunate that He spent the majority um, of his career over 25 years at one school. And so our children grew up at the field house um, and they would walk from, you know, school to the field house every day after school with the other coaches' kids. And so they just thought that was normal, Um, you know, that everybody grew up going to the football field um, (laughs) after school. And so, you know, when they were, supposed to have been doing homework and they did a little of that they also you know played in the field house ran around the track and and then they filled water bottles and helped with practices as they got older Um, they always stood on the field with Barry during games and um, looked forward to walking out with him we would had a tradition of um, waiting for him at the, the end of the victory line so when the players came out and the coaches 
um, he would kind of always be last and the girls would run up and we would all give him a quick kiss and say, good luck. And he always said, thanks, we're going to need it. (laughs) And so um, then the girls would walk with him out onto um, the sidelines and help him get his headset on and equipment set up. And, you know, they just grew up doing those things. And um, after games, you know, they were picking up pylons and loading up equipment and hauling things back to the field house. So, you know, we managed just because he wanted them to be there. He wanted them to be involved, wanted them to be around um, and so we just made it such a family affair um, that, you know, we just spent that, what quality time we could, whether it was on the field, um, they rode the bus with him or at home, we just tried to make the most of all those moments. And so that's how we managed um, for over 25 years. And we were fortunate that we really only moved once um, and then how we got connected and um, you know, involved in the community was through our church. And that was probably one of the best things about um, the two years that we spent in a different community was the church family there and how supportive they were and, um, you know, just how they welcomed us and, and helped us to get acclimated to a new community. But really, we were just so fortunate to be in the same place for so many years. And I really know that, you know, that's kind of unusual that not all coaching families, you know, have that same opportunity and I listen to quite a few of your podcasts Um, I'm a big fan and so just hearing the stories of the other wives like in the last you know just week I've listened to Jackie McHale and Danielle tell their stories about moving and just you know trying to get um, acclimated every time and everything is new and we were just so fortunate that we were you know in rural Oklahoma small class day school um, small communities where we were able to stay for decades. If you could share with wives out there listening now, what's one thing we shouldn't do as a coach's wife? Shouldn't do? Well, I would have to say critique. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And in fact, like I talked about earlier is just, you know, they get enough of that from the community and, um, you know, from others that are within their circle. So just being a positive influence for them and um, and again, like I said, just sometimes saying nothing is, is the best thing. And then, um, you know, I'll say for us, we, we just never really sat with the other fans. <laughs> maybe, maybe that was part of, uh, you know, kind of had our own little section to where, you know, we, we didn't hear, um, you know, negative comments and things. And so that worked for us, right. It's just um, kind of finding our own little corner of the, the stadium to set in and surround ourselves with family and friends to where it could just be enjoyable, even if it was, you know, winning and losing, um, you know, we had that circle of comfort around us. What would you say are some of the most rewarding aspects to you about having lived life as a coach's wife? Well, I, gosh, there, it, it is such a special life. I, I just feel like we kind of talked about in the beginning, it's, it's who I am. It's who we are as a family. Um, and I will always be a coach's wife. Um, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's in my soul. It's in my core. Um, and there's just something so special. There is a unique bond and you know, I say that, you know, coaches, that that's a, a brotherhood, um, specifically, you know, thinking about football coaches, but, um, but it's the community and the wives are a sisterhood. Like we're finding out right through your mm-hmm. podcast. It's just how many, similarities that we have together but it is so rewarding um you know to be a part of something so big and a wonderful community 
um, you know, where everyone, Friday night lights, it's a real thing, right? Yes, yes. um, when the, when the lights are on on Friday night, um, there's something big going on in town. And so, um, you know, just being a part of something so big. But then again, there were times when we felt like it was just us against the world, too, you know, and he was our safe place and, and we were his safe place. And, you know, and that's OK, too, because there's it's those quiet moments when coaches' wives are home with the kids and husband finally comes home from a game and and it's just there with you and your family and those are such special moments too and and that's okay Mm. something you said right there really made me tear up sometimes you feel like it's just you versus the world and there are points in your career you're like is does anybody appreciate what we did right or is anybody appreciate what sacrifices that we're making and to continue to put one foot in front of the other because it does make a difference you don't realize who's watching your life do you feel that Oh, yes, definitely. And, you know, when you're winning, and I'm sure that your listeners, other coaches, wives, they can all relate to this. When you're winning, everything's great, right? Mm -hmm. And the minute you start having that losing season, the fans start to fall away, you know, uh, things really change. Um, You know, Barry always said there's only two kinds of coaches coaches who have been fired and coaches who are going to be fired. Mm -hmm. And that happens to all of us. Um, he has a hat that is, um, John Gruden has an organization, Fired Football Coaches Association. <laughs> and so he has a hat that I ordered it for his birthday for him one year, FFCA. <laughs> and he, he wore it proudly. Let me tell you, um, he, you know, he lost jobs a few times and, you know, we, but we survived and we went on to the next school and, um, you know, so, but win or lose, you know, we were, we were team foster and we were in it together for sure. All time favorite coach's wife memory. Okay. I have two. <laughs> um, first one is at 1998 um, state championship. So um, Rush Springs, Oklahoma, class A, we made it all the way to the state championship. We were 15 and 0, never lost the game. Um, it was like the Super Bowl, you know, for a small town and those players from that 1998 state championship team, I mean, they're still so special to us. And really those are some of the players who, um, who have helped us, you know, cope with the loss of, of losing Barry. And so they are just such a special group um, of young men to us. So that's, that's number one. And then the second is, um, 2018 Barry was inducted into the Oklahoma coaches hall of fame. And you know, he grew up as a coach's kid himself. His dad was a coach. Um, and so just being inducted into the Hall of Fame and being recognized for his um, distinguished service. He was um, past president of the Oklahoma Football Coaches Association and the Oklahoma Coaches Association. And so to, for him to be recognized for that service to the organizations and for his years of coaching was just so special to him and something that we were all able to attend as a family and just a truly proud moment to to see him being recognized for his hard work. Wow. I love that. If there's a message about helping others combat COVID, what would that be? Well, I know that you know what it's like to have someone critically ill in your family, right? You battled that with Landry and you know firsthand. And so for one thing, whether it's COVID or, or it's anything else, I'd say just don't wait. You know, lots of times our husbands, they try to be strong and brave and they don't think they need to go to the doctor or get something checked, but just 
you know, be their advocate, um, you know, in all things, um, you know, whatever illness it might be, but specific to COVID, we've really tried to um, just go with the platform of please donate blood and plasma. You know, those were two things that Barry received when he was in the hospital, two things that were, um, you know, really are life-saving. And so we have just tried to ask and encourage people who, um, who are eligible, who are able to give blood because he got four units of blood and, and plasma twice. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we put out kind of an all call for people to do those things. And uh, I know for Oklahoma, um, our Oklahoma Blood Institute, they're caught up on the demand. And I would like to think that, you know, our, our ask for that, our, our using this platform to encourage people to give helped fulfill that need. Um, you know, for other COVID patients. So it's just been really important to us to pay it forward and to ask people to give those life-saving blood products that really can be life-saving for so many patients of multiple diseases, whether it's COVID or cancer or some other um, life-altering, you know, circumstance. So just really trying to encourage people to do that. And then also to just encourage wives to have those critical conversations with your husbands, with your coach. Um, it's so important to talk about the what if, and that's not an easy conversation. It's certainly not a comfortable conversation, but you'll be so glad you did when that someday comes. Um, so just have those conversations. And, you know, if, for wives, if, if you do all the if you pay all the bills, make sure your husband knows how to do online banking and where the passwords are kept. Like it's so important because one day, um, you know, you may need to know those things or he may need to know um, those things. So having those critical conversations is so important. And then I think also just, you know, take the time to be together, um, go on date night. Um, you know, every time we would get in the car and go to Sonic, I would say, is this a date? And he would say, I think so. <laughs> so <laughs> if we were ever in the car alone, it was a date, right? And mm. so um, just spend that time together, hold hands and always, always say, I love you. That's, that's the most important thing. I'm in tears. Great advice. <laughs> I love it. Great advice. Rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I, yes, I'm you're, ready. You're, you're way more ready than I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's the last book you have read? Well, it's actually a devotional book called Jesus Calling. And I heard Jackie McHale talk about it. Also, a sweet friend sent it to me. And boy, it has really helped me through some, some tough times in the last few months. So I recommend it for everyone. Jesus Calling. That's a good one. What's your most impressive skill? Well, I have a song for everything. Give me a word. I'll make up a song or um, create a song, sing a song. I love to sing. So song for everything. (laughs) I love it. If you could have dinner with someone other than a family member, current or from history, who would that be? I'm going to go with um, someone from our American Cancer Society history. Her name's Mary Lasker. Um, she was an early volunteer of the American Cancer Society, and actually, it was her idea to start our cancer research program. So, I think she was um, led a fascinating life and was just such a contributor to you know the organization I've dedicated my life to. Um, so, definitely Mary Lasker. You get a night alone. What show would you binge watch? Oh, anything that's on HGTV, right? Because um, Barry really only thought we 
our TV got ESPN, or that's what he <laughs> told me, right? And so uh, anything on HGTV, love home improvement shows. What's your go-to meal to cook? Well, I, I'm going to have to say spaghetti because it's probably what we fed more football players over 30 years than anything because it will feed a crowd and it will feed all of Team Foster with a little leftover. <laughs> What's one thing non-tech you can't live without? Um, cardigans. 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 That's, that's my go-to. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that. I love it. If you had a superpower, what would that be? Well, I think mine would be more of who it would be. So I would definitely want to be Wanda from WandaVision um, because she can be everything from the girl next door to the superhero with the strongest powers. Love it. What would be your walk-up song? Oh, goodness. A walk-up song. You know, I, I really only listen to Caleb <laughs> because I really like for, um, you know, for my day to be filled with positivity and songs about hope and heaven. Um, and so I would probably choose, um, you know, something from Caleb that's inspirational. Um, but the song that I feel like describes our life as a family would have to be Take Me Out to the Ball Game right? Because that is the song that it was the first song that Barry ever taught each of our children. Like he wanted them to know, take me out to the ball game word for word. And he taught it to them, you know, when they were just toddlers. And so, um, you know, it's, it's something that is kind of the soundtrack of our lives. And, um, you know, to be honest, it's, we gathered around his bed the, the day um, that we lost him. And we sang that to him because we just, wanted to, you know, honor him and his life as a coach and in our lives as a family. And so again, just the soundtrack of our lives, take me out to the ball game. I think that's so fitting. Mm. I love it. Thank you so much, Lisa, for sharing with us. And it's been powerful and you're brave and you've been so inspiring. And I, I don't think I'll ever forget this interview. Amazing. I want to meet you one day. Thank you so much. Well, I look forward to meeting you too. And thank you so much for inviting me, including me and, and giving me a platform to share Barry's story and, and to keep his, his legacy alive. Thank you so much. You do a fantastic job and I look forward to meeting you someday also. This podcast is brought to you by Brewer of Hope. Brewer of Hope is a nonprofit that supports medically fragile children. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation, you can use Venmo at Brewer-Hope or online at BrewerofHope.org. For a replay of this episode or previous episodes, visit CoachesWifeLife.org and follow us on social media at Coach's Wife Life.